0: All right, well good morning everybody and welcome to Grace Church here at the Medina East Campus. And uh, man, we're so, so glad to be together. It's, uh, it's great to, to see all of you here this morning. And uh, I do just wanna mention, like Tommy mentioned just a second ago, and that is if you are a guest with us today, uh, we really wanna extend a very, very, very special welcome to you, thanks for being our guest. And we hope that you feel welcomed and we hope that you get a chance to grab that gift that Tommy mentioned on your way out from the cafe. Uh, don't, don't leave too fast if you're a guest. We would love to get a chance to maybe hang out for a while and get to know you, and, uh, and that'd be a wonderful thing. But if you are a guest or if you missed the past couple of weeks, we've actually been in a conversation now for the past couple of weeks. This is actually the third week in this conversation uh, that we've been calling Resolve. And uh, just to catch you up to speed with what it is that we've been talking about, uh, we have been talking about the very relevant topic of conflict resolution. And uh, and the reason I say that it is very relevant, because one thing that I think all of us know is that, uh, that, that in every relationship that we face, no matter what age or stage of life that you might be in, conflict is going to be a natural part of those relationships. I think all of us know this, right? Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter what age or stage or or the people who are around you, uh, because everybody is different, because no two people have the same personality or temperament, and because nobody is perfect, none of us are perfect, we are going to smash into each other. We're going to clash at certain points when we get into proximity to one another. And so conflict is an inevitability. It's going to happen. And so Because of that, here's what we've been doing in the series. We said that the primary question that we're actually looking to answer, is not so much how do we avoid conflict? Because we said, quite honestly, like we just mentioned, to some extent or another, conflict is unavoidable. And so the better question we said that we want to kind of investigate together is how do we respond to conflict? How do we respond to conflict when it shows up? Because it's going to show up. It's going to happen in the family room, it's going to happen in the boardroom, it's going to happen in the bedroom, it's going to happen in every room and every space of life when we're in proximity to each other, conflict is going to arise. And so the better question is, how are we going to respond to it and how are we going to resolve it in a healthy way, right? How can we resolve conflict in a healthy way and in a way specifically here at church, we're talking about how we can do it in a way that honors God, and here, and again, if you were here the past couple of weeks, you might remember this. We said, here, here's why this conversation is so important. Okay, this is why this conversation is so detrimental. And here's what we said. We said that unresolved conflict in your life and or the inability to resolve conflict in a healthy way, right, is costing you. It's costing you. Uh, it's, in other words, what we said is this, unresolved conflict in our lives, right, so that the thing that you're facing with that person, that unresolved conflict, that, 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 that thing that's persisting with that person in your life right now. Unresolved conflict and or uh, unhealthy un, uh, conflict resolution in our lives is costing us, it's costing you, it's costing me, and quite honestly, it's costing us more than we might initially recognize. In fact, a couple weeks ago we looked at the Bible, we said the Bible says that unresolved conflict is costing us personal wellness, our personal wellness, it's costing us relational wholeness, and it's costing us spiritual rightness. And so there is a lot at stake in this conversation. And so because of that, what we're doing then is we said, as a church, we wanna walk together through eight steps to healthy conflict resolution. Eight steps in how do we resolve conflict in a way that's healthy? How do we resolve conflict in a way that honors God? How do we resolve, because conflict's gonna happen, so how do we do that in a healthy way? So that's what we're doing. And by the way, these eight steps that we're kind of walking through together, It's actually come right from Jesus. And so what we've been doing is we've actually been looking at one uh, particular chapter of the Bible where Jesus is teaching on conflict resolution. In fact, the whole chapter is about conflict resolution and it's a teaching or a discourse that Jesus gives on the topic, and the passage that we've been looking at is in Matthew chapter 18. And so, uh, what I want to do this morning is I want to encourage you. Why don't you grab your Bibles once again, and let's return back to the passage that we've been looking at and studying through this series, Matthew chapter 18. So go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn there, or if you're with us in previous weeks, return there uh, because we're going to be picking up where we left off last week, Matthew chapter 18. And um, by the way, if you did not bring a Bible with you, you can grab one of our Bibles that are in the chairs there. Page 688 in those Bibles that are in the chairs in front of you or beneath you. And then let me just also say that if you don't own a physical copy of the Bible, like if you just don't have a copy of the Bible, we actually would love for you to have one. So you can just take one of ours, make it a gift from us to you. Uh, you can just have it, right? So conflict resolved. If you don't have a Bible, you can have one now. There you go. So uh, Matthew chapter 18, page six. Now, as you're turning to Matthew 18 or as you're finding that on your phone or your tablet or whatever, however you're getting there, uh, let me just kind of remind us, if you were here last week, you might remember that we spent all of last week talking about step one in conflict resolution, and and so what we said was this. We said, step one, according to Jesus, in conflict resolution, the, the first step to healthy conflict resolution was this, and this is what we talked about last week. We said, step one is that we must humble ourselves, Step one is to humble yourself. And so we talked about this last week. And basically, if you, if you were here, you might remember we said that humility, humility is the foundation to healthy conflict resolution. You are not going to be able to resolve conflict in a healthy way, according to Jesus, without humility Humility is essential. In other words, what we meant by that, if you were here, is we said that oftentimes when we are in conflict, it is our, kind of our natural disposition, it's kind of our natural proclivity to want to point the finger at the offenses and wrongs of the other person, right? That's kind of what we naturally want to do. We'll talk about what they did wrong. We'll talk about their part in the thing. But what Jesus says is he says he actually introduces us to a very different way of thinking, and he says, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're, if you're a person who's a follower of Jesus, that we must begin, b- before we point the finger at another person and start pointing out the fault of another, we have to be willing to look in the mirror. We have to be courageous enough, we have to be humble enough to look at our own hearts, to ask God to search our hearts, and we have to ask the question, what unmet desire in me is contributing to the conflict that I'm facing right now? And so we have to be willing to humble ourselves. Now, by the way, if you missed last week's conversation or even the last couple of weeks, I would strongly encourage you to go back and to listen to those or to watch those on our podcast or on our website. I would really encourage you to do that. And the reason, again, is because all of these steps that we're looking at are sequential. They build on each other. And so if you're not clear on step one, it's gonna be really hard to move on to step two and step three and so on and so forth. And so I'd encourage you to go back and check that out. All of that is for free on our website, on our podcast, we'd encourage you to do that. But today what we're gonna do as we continue journeying through these eight steps, we're gonna be looking all uh, this weekend only at one step, and that is gonna be step two. So we're gonna look at step two of conflict resolution. And to show you that step, like I said, we're gonna pick up where we left off last week in Matthew chapter 18. And we're gonna start in verse six, and actually a very peculiar set of verses, all right? So let's take a look at this. So we're gonna start off in verse six. Last week, we looked at verses one to five, and so we, we, we got a chance to do that. We're gonna pick it right back up. Jesus is gonna continue his conversation on conflict resolution, and here's what he says. Watch this. Jesus says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, some of your translations might say, if anyone causes one of these children, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. There you go. Welcome to Grace Church. That's a great verse. <laughs> we like to start with warm, encouraging verses here. And that's, and man, this is intense, right? I don't know about you, but you read this and, you know, here's Jesus. If anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better that they get thrown in the ocean with a stone around their neck and drowned to death. And I, I mean, it's like, wow, that's pretty extreme, Right and, and what in the world is Jesus talking about and what does this have to do with conflict resolution? Well, let me see if I can shed some light on this a little bit. So this passage right here has actually been used uh, by many people to explain uh, that, that God has a special judgment and wrath in store for people who mistreat children. Okay, So some people have used this verse right here as a way to explain that God had, there's a certain amount of wrath and justice and judgment that God has for people that abuse or mis- mistreat or hurt children. And let me just say that while I don't necessarily disagree with that statement, I, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying in this passage. In fact, I'm fairly confident that's not what Jesus is saying in this passage. And you're like, well, how do you know that? Well, well if you were here last week, you might remember. Remember, context is everything. And if you were here last week, in the, in the first five verses previous to this, do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus, Jesus gave an illustration. If you were ha- here last week, you might remember. And what was the illustration Jesus gave? Jesus said, if you wanna be my disciple, if you wanna be someone who follows me, right? if you wanna be someone in my kingdom, Jesus said, you have to humble yourself and become like a little child. Right? So Jesus was giving an illustration right? And now, in verse six, this is the same conversation. He's just continuing that metaphor. And so when he says, if anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, who's he talking about? Well, here's who he's talking about. He's talking about his disciples. He's talking about people who follow him. He's talking about Christians. That's who he's talking about. In fact, you notice, notice, notice right here in this passage, he even, he even specifies, if anyone causes one of these little ones, that is those who believe in me, that's who he's talking about, right? Now, now real quick, I think this is worth mentioning. I think it's important for us to recognize that what Jesus is about to say in this passage is directed specifically towards those who follow Jesus. Okay, it's what he's about to say next about conflict resolution and some of the things that he's about to show us are directed to believers in Christ. And here's why I think that that's important, okay? Because I know in a room this size, in a church our size, between our four services, I know that there are are many people who would claim to be followers of Jesus. Many of us would identify ourselves that way. We would say, yes, I am a disciple of Christ. I follow Jesus. I am a Christian. I know there's many of us who would kind of claim that. And what Jesus is about to say is going to apply directly to you and I. Now, I also know this, though. I know that there's many people who go to our church right now who maybe wouldn't make that claim. And maybe there's some of you who are here today and you're still kind of investigating the whole Jesus thing, like quite honestly, you're not real sure where you land with it. You're just trying to figure it out. And which by the way, we we say this almost every week and I mean this, if you're a person that's investigating Jesus and you're not sure where you land with the whole thing, we count it an honor and a privilege that you would let us be part of your investigation. You could do anything you want with your Sunday morning, but the fact that you're here and you're letting us speak into that investigation is a privilege we take very highly, and so we appreciate that. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want you to know that, that this is directed specifically to Christ followers. Now I think what Jesus says has practical wisdom for anyone, whether you follow him or not. So I think what we're talking about today is, is actually of great benefit and would be very beneficial to you, but I think it's important to know that what he's about to say is specifically directed to Christ followers. So watch what he says. If anyone causes one of these little ones, my disciples, now check this out, to stumble, to stumble, it would be better to have a stone around their neck and thrown into the sea. Now let me just talk for a minute about this idea of stumbling, because I think this is really important. So the word stumble, if you actually uh, take this word and you pull it back into the original Greek language, uh, the word is actually the same word that we get our English word "scandalize" from. It's scandal or scandalous. That's where we get the same thing. And it literally means, this word literally means to trip somebody up. That's what it means. Actually, there is a visual aid inside of this word because this is the same word that's sometimes used uh, in other passages to say stumbling block so sometimes it's translated as stumbling block. And a stumbling block, some of you might know this, a stumbling block would have been a stone or a block or, or something that was purposefully and intentionally put in someone else's pathway with the intention of tripping them up or causing them to fall. So, so just to use Jesus' metaphor here, I actually brought some very sophisticated visual aids. I was, uh, as you can see, these are very sophisticated. I was in my garage and I was just getting some scrap wood but this is, this is basically the idea of a stumbling block, right? It could be a stone, it could be a block of wood, it could be something like this. And it would basically be something that you would intentionally throw in someone's pathway or put in front of them with the intent of causing them to stumble. And so here's what Jesus says. He says, if anyone causes someone who follows me to stumble, to stumble, now what's he talking about there? Well, I think here's what he means. If you're a follower of Jesus, you might know this, that one of the most common metaphors to explain the Christian life is that a Christian is walking, right? So, so you, you've read passages. A Christian is a person who is walking in obedience with Christ. One step at a time, one day at a time, the Christian life is depicted as a walk, right? I'm walking with the spirit. I'm walking in obedience. I'm trying to walk with God one day at a time. And so what does it mean to cause someone else to stumble? Well, here's what it means. It means either by my actions or my words or my behaviors or my attitudes, I am doing something that is deliberately intended to cause you to trip up. I'm doing something that makes, you, your, that makes following God harder for you, tripping you up. And so here's what Jesus says, check this out. If anyone causes one of these little ones, my disciples, to stumble, now, It'd be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and then be drowned in the depths of the sea. Now, man, that's intense. And by the way, when Jesus said it'd be better to have a large millstone around your neck, all of the disciples that were listening to him would have known what he was talking about. And the reason is because a millstone was actually a very common tool it would have been used by, by farmers back in this time. In fact, I'll show you a picture. Uh, here was a common millstone. Okay, so this is a giant stone. Would have been attached to a beam. You would have hitched a donkey to this thing. The donkey would have walked in a circle and they would put grain in this basin and this would just kind of, you know, kind of smash the grain in there. It would do that whole thing. And that's what this thing was for. It was, it, you know, this, this, this was, this was the, the whole idea of a millstone. And so here's what Jesus just said. Jesus said, listen, if anyone causes another person, if you cause another person to stumble, he says, it'd be better for you to have this bad boy tied around your neck and be thrown in the ocean. To which, I don't know about you when i read that i'm like man jesus that seems a little extreme i mean doesn't it seem a little severe doesn't it seem like the crime doesn't quite match the punishment like you trip you trip that person you're going you're going to drown in the ocean it's like jesus you got some anger problems man right, when I read that. But listen, here's what you gotta understand, and here's what many of you might know. Jesus was a master teacher, right? And because he was a master teacher, he would sometimes employ literary devices to make a point. And here, what Jesus is employing, the literary device, some of you might remember this back from English class, he was using hyperbole. And what's hyperbole? You guys might remember, hyperbole is an exaggerated statement that is intended to make a point, and so Jesus is speaking in exaggerated why, in exaggerated, in uh, exaggerated statements. Why? Because he's trying to make a point. And what is the point that Jesus is trying to make? Well, here's what I think Jesus is saying. Here's the point I think he's trying to make. I think he's saying this: Whenever we, by our actions or our words our behaviors or our attitudes, purposefully do something that is intended to provoke someone that is intended to cause them to stumble, to trip them up, to watch them fall, to make them suffer, to make them hurt, or to harm them, that is a serious offense to God. I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Whenever we do that, it is, listen, a big deal to God. You're like, well how big? Millstone around the neck, swimming deal in the ocean. Big deal, that's what he's saying. Why, why is it such a big deal? Here's why. They are his children. The, the person you're in conflict with is God's child. They're God's child. And I think, listen, I think anyone in this room that's a parent, I think we all understand this. Like if, you, if, you're, if you're a person that has kids in this room, and I know that's not everyone, but I think we kinda get this, right? I kinda get this. Like it's, if you mess with my kids, like you can, you're kinda messing with me. So so, for example, just to give you a, a silly illustration, I, I have three kids. We have another one on the way, so we're about to have four. But right now, our youngest is, is my little daughter, so she's two. she actually turns two today, so she's a little two year old, she's cute, cute as I 'll get out. she's the most beautiful thing, and she's actually never sinned. It's incredible it's wonderful. <laughs> she's just so cute and so I just want you to imagine that, um, that my daughter, after service, let's imagine we're hanging out in a cafe out here, and, and let's say that my daughter's running around, having a good time, smiling with a cookie in her hand, right? Which, by the way, that only happens every week. And, uh, but she's, like, let's say she's doing that. She's out there, she's running around, she's got her cookie, and, and let's say that I'm in a conversation with somebody, and out of the corner of my eye, I see my daughter run past you, and I watch you put out your foot and trip her and then point at her, and laugh at her. Now let me just tell you, are we gonna be okay? No, sir. We are gonna have problems. We are gonna have conflict we need to resolve. Right? That's gonna happen. As well. If, I, if I, my daughter, my little two-year-old was running around out there, and I watched you take like a, a block or something, and I watched you bowl that thing in front of her when she was running, and she hit that thing and tripped and went smack down on her face, and you just kind of laughed at her. I'm just telling you right now, we'd have problems You and me would have problems. And some of you are like, what are you gonna do? You're a pastor. And I'm gonna just say, don't underestimate me. (laughs) Right, I am, I'm Italian, specifically Sicilian, which means I have ties to the mafia, right? (laughs) My family is in the concrete business. I'm talking Millstone around the neck in Lake Medina, right? That's where, and of course, I'm kidding, kind of, but, right? You get what I'm saying? So what's Jesus talking about? Here's what he says. He says, whenever you cause someone to stumble, he's like, man, it's, it's very, very severe to God. It's a really big deal. Some of you are like, what does this have to do with conflict resolution? Well, I'll tell you what it has to do with conflict. I think all of us understand this, that in conflict especially, all of us are very good, very good at knowing how to trip up other people, that we can, by our words, our attitudes, our actions, our whatever it might be, we can cause another person we, can want to, we, we want to see them fall, we want to see them injured, we want to see them hurt, we wanna trip them up, we wanna make it harder for them to do the right thing. And we can do that, and we, listen, And there, we can do this in very overt ways, very overt ways. Right? Sometimes it's just, man, sometimes we just say hurtful, mean, vengeful things, and man, we just, we're just, man, I'm saying this because I wanna hurt you, I wanna see you go down, I'm trying to trip you up. We can say things that, that, that cause that person to be tempted to respond in a way that does not honor God, makes it harder for them to do the things that God wants for them to do. We can do this. We can do it overtly by saying things. We can blast that person on social media. We can blast that person and all the other conversations that we have around us by gossiping and slandering that person, destroying their reputation, and that makes it hard for them. Hard for them to do what's right, hard for them to follow God's will for them, tempting them to respond to those things. We can do it. We can do it in very overt We can get physical. We can push someone. And man, that, what are we doing? We're provoking that person. We're provoking them. And we can do it in very overt ways. But listen, here's the truth. I think in a room like this, though, quite honestly, for most of us, we don't go overt, we go subtle. But we know how to do this in really, really, really subtle ways. And let's just be honest. We, we know, especially for those who are closest to us, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your roommate, your friends. we know them well enough that we know just the right buttons to push. Now, we know what to do to, make, to trip them up and to make them stumble, and it's real subtle. So it might look like something like this. It might be like, "Huh? Hmm, that's interesting. What's interesting? Well, nothing. I just noticed that what you did right there reminded me of somebody. Who did it remind you of?, well, I don't know. Your mother. Right? And and oh we know what we just did. We know exactly what we just did. And she's like, you know you're not supposed to bring up my mom. And you're like, what? I didn't what? I'm just what and you know, you know what you just did. You know what you just did, right? What are you doing? I am causing somebody else to stumble. I am by my actions and attitudes trying to dig at that person in such a way. It can happen in real subtle ways, right? It could be something like this. Hmm, you know what? It's interesting. I was having a conversation the other day with someone. It's really interesting. I just think it's real fascinating. It's so interesting to me. I was having this conversation. It's so interesting. Do you wanna know what it was about? What was it about? Well, I was talking to such and such, and you know what she said? She said that her husband never does that thing you do that bothers me, right? And it's like... You know what you just did. You just threw out a stumbling block. And here's what Jesus is saying. Okay, we we all know how to do this. Teenagers, we know how to do this to our parents. Parents, we know how to do this to our teenagers, to our kids, to our roommates, to our friends. We all know how to push each other's buttons. And here's what Jesus says. He says, whenever you cause another person to stumble, it's a big deal to God. It's a serious offense. It's more serious than you think. In fact, I think this is why Jesus says in verse 7 Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. See what Jesus is saying? Woe to the person who makes someone else stumble. Woe. Well, what does woe mean? Well, woe is an ancient term, uh, that, or it's a biblical term, that basically was a statement of impending doom. Right? It was like trouble to the person who does this. Woe to the person who causes another person to stumble. Why is it such a serious offense to God? Well, I think there's a lot of different reasons, but I think part of it is uh, that, that when we purposely do or say or, or act in such ways that are intended to hurt another person, it's actually the exact opposite of what God wants from those of us who follow him. In fact, I, I could tell you what God wants from those of us who follow him. Look at this, Hebrews 10:24. Let us, specifically followers of Jesus, but I think this could apply to everyone in the room, let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. See what he's saying? He's like, listen, rather than trying to figure out how to trip someone up with your responses and your words, what if instead you poured your creativity and your thought into how you can help build somebody up how can I, by my actions and my responses, even my responses to your hurtful actions, how can I respond to you in a way that can actually spur you on towards love and towards good deeds and to obedience? That's what God wants for us. And listen, I think, I think this is what Jesus is saying. Look up here, this is really important. I want you to catch this. I think this is what Jesus is saying. I think he's saying that in conflict, this is so important, in conflict, my words, my actions, my behaviors and my attitudes, they can either lead someone away from God or they can lead someone towards God. All right, listen, we, we are responsible for our actions and our words and our reactions in conflict. And they are very serious because our words and our actions and the way we respond to someone, they can either be a stumbling block that trips that person up away from where God wants them to go Or they can help propel that person in a direction of health, and a direction of love, and a direction of good deeds. We can either trip them up, or we can build them up. And so listen, we are responsible, responsible for the way that we respond. But what if they do, and what if they did? Uh, 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 uh. We are responsible. And Jesus says it is a very, very, very serious offense when you cause another person to stumble. How serious? Millstone around the neck. Now, if that seems pretty extreme to you, well, just wait, because he's gonna get a little more extreme. Watch what he says next. Jesus goes on. Here here we go. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. That's extreme. Well, it's gonna get more extreme. Verse nine. And if your eye causes you to stumble... Gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the eternal fire of hell. I don't know anyone who has this verse etched on a pillow or anything, right? Some strong verses, man. Some strong verses. And of course, you have to remember, Jesus is speaking hyperbolically. This is hyperbole. So he's not literally saying if your hand causes you to stumble, if your foot causes you, to if your eye cut it out, gouge it out. That's not what he's literally saying. If that was the case, none of us in this room would have hands or feet or eyes. We would just be stumps sitting here together, right? He's not literally talking about that. But what is he saying? Here's what he's saying, and and listen, I I hope you can see. Do you see the connection? Do you see the connection? Think about it. What did he just say? Here's what Jesus just said. If you cause another person to stumble, be better for you to have a millstone around your neck in the ocean. If your hand causes you to stumble, you cut it off, throw it away. If your foot causes you to stumble, you need to cut it off, you need to throw it away. If your eye causes you to, notice, stumble, there it is again, you need to cut it out, gouge it out, and you need to, throw it away. What is the point that Jesus is making? I believe very strongly this is the point that Jesus is making. Whenever we make someone stumble, whether it be another person or even ourselves, by our actions or our attitudes or our behaviors, whether we're causing that other person to stumble or we're causing ourselves to stumble by our own bitterness and our own resentment and our own unforgiveness and our own actions and behaviors, Jesus would look and say, that is a very serious thing. Very serious. Let me put it another way. Like what Jesus is saying is this. Sin, sin is gravely serious. Gravely serious. How serious? Millstone around the neck, cut off your hand, cut off your foot, gouge out your eye. That kind of serious. Now, I know when I say sin, it's not a real popular word. A lot of people don't like it. You might think of a pulpit pounding preachers preaching against sin. And, and, but let me just tell you what sin means. Sin, sin, in its real basic sense, is basically this sin is rebellion against God, it's rebellion against God's desires and God's directives for our lives. That's what sin is. And here's what Jesus is trying to help us see sin is extremely serious, very serious, gravely serious. Now, why would Jesus, think about this for a minute, why would Jesus have to use such extreme examples, such shocking metaphors? Why would he have to do that? that would, clearly, it would have shocked the crowd, just like it shocks us. Why does he have to speak so strongly? And here's why, and I think I know this, and I think you know this too. I think the reason Jesus has to exaggerate so strongly on this point is because, quite honestly, we don't think sin is that serious of a thing. Quite honestly, I think in conflict, come on, let's just be honest. I don't think we think our sin is that big of a deal. In fact, I'll tell you, the reason I think that that's the case, the reason I know this and, and my guess is it's probably true for you is that I have found in my own life when I face conflict and I have found that in the lives of many other people, unfortunately, over my time as a pastor, I've sat with too many people who have been in conflict with each other, right, and, and, and have had a chance to have a window into that. And here's what i found in my own life and the lives of others, is that oftentimes we will not deny sinful and offensive responses to other people, but we are very quick to justify and rationalize them and make it a small deal. And I'm just telling you, so it looks like something like this. We'll be like, okay, I know, I know, I know, I did some stuff and I said some stuff I shouldn't have said, I know what I did was offensive, it wasn't right. I know it wasn't what God wanted me to do, right? We don't deny it, we don't deny it, but here's what we do right after we say that. We'll say, I know I didn't do the right thing, I didn't say that, I know what I did wasn't what God wanted, but if you know what they did, oh, let's talk about them. And they did this and this and this and this, and so the only reason I sinned, it's not, I mean, I know it's not the right thing, but the only reason I sinned is because they sinned in a big way against me. That's why I responded. And you see, we don't deny it, but man, we belittle our, we don't own it. We just belittle this, our part in the whole thing. Yeah, look, I, I know, I know, I gossiped about that person. I said some stuff behind their back I shouldn't have said. Some of it was not true. But listen, man, you gotta understand, I was just venting, all right? I was just vent because of what they did. You know what they did? Let me tell you what they did. So I was just venting to a few hundred of my friends on Facebook about it. But I, that's all it was, like I was, and we, man, we belittle and justify. I know, I know, I shouldn't have slashed that person's tires, it was not the right thing to do. But if you know what they did to me, which, by the way, if you actually did do that, you should probably come talk to me. That's actually a felony, so you probably shouldn't do that. And, uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, we, we belittle the thing, man. We belittle the thing. We make it small, we make it small. And listen, here's what Jesus is saying. Sin is very, 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 very serious. Very serious, Listen, even, even if that person is 90% responsible for the conflict and you're only 10%, which let's just be honest, that's almost never the case, sometimes it is the case. There's some real jerks out there, it's true, right? Sometimes, that, but rarely, right? Even if they are 99.9% responsible and at fault for offending you and sinning against you and you're only 0.1% responsible, here's what Jesus says, that is a very serious thing to me. Your 0.1% is a very serious thing. How serious? Cut off your hand, gouge out your eye, millstone around the neck. That's how serious, it is serious to me. Sin is a very, 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 very big deal. I love the way that um, one author and pastor put a guy named Tim Keller. I thought this was so insightful. Here's what he said. Tim Keller said, one ounce of sin can harm us more than 10 tons of suffering because sin ruins our soul while suffering, if handled well, only makes us more Christ-like and joyful. Listen, I, I think this is so insightful because I think it reflects exactly what Jesus is saying. One ounce of sin, one ounce of sin is actually a, is actually a reason to cut off your hand. Right, when, does a doctor, when does a doctor determine it's time to amputate? Right, um, it's not over small things. It's not like when you have a hang, you're not like, I have a hangnail. cut your hand off. That's not, when does a doctor determine to amputate? Only when it's of detriment to your life. When, when it's gangrenous. When you have gangrene and it's gonna cost you your life, we need to cut it off. And one ounce of sin can do that. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, I think this is so important. I want you to catch this, all right? The number one enemy that we face in conflict is not the other person. All right, man, you gotta hear me on this one. This might revolutionize the way that some of you view conflict. The number one enemy that you face is not another person. Ephesians is so clear on this. Ephesians six, our battle is not against flesh and blood. So who is it that we're waging war against? What is it that we're waging war against? Jesus would say the number one enemy in conflict is sin. It's sin in them and it's sin in you. And so you need to go to war, not with another person. You need to go to war with sin. Sin in you and sin in them because one ounce of sin can harm you more than 10 tons of suffering. Listen, some of you right now, you might be, maybe someone has sinned against you, they have offended you, they have hurt you and you are suffering as a result of it. But listen, here's the good thing about suffering. Suffering is not an enemy. It's actually pretty amazing. If you think about it, God can do unbelievable things through suffering if you would let him. God can accomplish Christ-likeness. He can build character. Just think about, for example, what God accomplished through the suffering of his son, Jesus Christ. Whew. The salvation of all of us was accomplished through the suffering of our Savior. Now, that's awesome. But think about what sin does. Uh, well, sin is the reason Jesus went to the cross. Sin, one act of disobedience, is what caused this whole world to fall and to be in a place of need, of salvation, one ounce of sin can destroy. And so Jesus looks and says, man, if your hand is causing you to stumble, if your eye is causing you to stumble, if your foot, if you're causing another person to stumble, big, serious deal. So what do we do about it then? What do we do about it? Well, I think this is where step two is going to come in. But I actually wanna show you something else Jesus says that I think ties in very well with this passage. Very famous passage, really, really kind of great picture. Some of you might uh, remember this one. Matthew 7, here's what Jesus says. Why do you look at the, you guys remember this passage? It's a great passage. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that's in your eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? I love this passage, it's almost humorous, the metaphor Jesus is giving here. He's like, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your body, you got a plank in yours. You got a plank, so again, just a, a very sophisticated visual out of my scrap wood pile, I brought a plank of wood. Here, here's, here's the image, just get this picture in your mind, this is great, here's what Jesus is saying. He's like, this is what you look like. You're like, dude, <laughs> you got a speck of sawdust in your eye, idiot. <laughs> You should get that dumb thing out of your eye. You look stupid. You look so stupid with that sawdust in your eye. Let me help you get it out. I can't reach past this plank, but if I could get past this, then maybe I would. How dumb is that? And that's the picture Jesus is giving. What is the point he's making? I think all of us get it. He's saying we have a a tendency in conflict oftentimes that we will maximize the sin of another and we will minimize the sin in us. In fact, it's funny, this, this little plank of wood I have right here doesn't even do justice to what he's actually saying. Um, some of you have translations where it says, you have a log in your eye, a log. Um, the old King James Version says, you have a beam in your eye, a load-bearing beam. So, so that's the picture Jesus is giving, and, and that's why Jesus says this. He says, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you can see clearly to help remove the speck of sawdust from your brother's eye. You gotta get the, what, what is it that you have? So th- this points to what I believe is step number two. Okay, so step one, if you remember, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humility is the foundation of conflict resolution. You have to be willing to not just point the finger at the other person, but you have to be willing to look at your own heart and recognize how you're contributing to the conflict. But step two is this, and this is so important. Step two, I call removing logs. You have to, listen, it's not enough just to recognize that you're playing part in this conflict. You have to then do something about it. It's not enough just to be like, okay, I humble myself. I recognize I have a plank in my eye. What's next? It's like, well, get it out. Pull it out. I recognize my hands causing me to sin. I recognize I'm causing someone to stumble. I recognize my foot's causing me to sin. Now what should I do? Cut it off. Take action. Sometimes, even honestly, drastic, extreme, uncomfortable action. You have to be willing to do. Here, here's what I mean. You have to be doing, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes, no matter how drastic, no matter how extreme, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how countercultural to own your part, and to do whatever you can to make it right. And some of you are like, well, what, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Well, let me tell you what I mean. And like, I, I'm just gonna tell you this next part, quite honestly, is gonna make some of you really uncomfortable. It's gonna make you really uncomfortable. I told you a couple weeks ago, I said that I believe that Jesus' take on conflict resolution has the ability to revolutionize your relationships. And I, I believe that. But I also told you that at certain points what he's gonna say is gonna seem odd to you and at certain points, quite honestly, it is going to challenge you. And this is one of those points. But man, if you would have ears to hear, how do we remove logs? Here it is, you ready for it? We confess. We confess. You're like, what do you mean by confess? You mean like I sit down with a pastor or a priest or something with like a thing between us and I like tell them what I did wrong? It's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is we need to recognize, own, and do whatever we can in our power to make right the things that we've wronged. If we've offended someone, if we've hurt someone, we need to go and we need to confess that. We need to confess that, we need to confess that. What if they're 95% responsible and I'm just five? This is not about them. At this point, this is not about them. This is about you taking your stuff serious, taking your sin serious saying this is a serious thing to God, this is a serious thing, I need to make it right, I need to make it right. And so some of you are like, can you help me out? Can you help me, can you give me something practical? So yeah, let me, let me just end our time, I wanna give you something very practical, okay, very practical to help you with this, and maybe give you a vision for how, how you can enact this in your life. And let me just tell you, some of you need this right now Some of you need this right now. You're in a conflict and you need to hear this right now. Some of you, honestly, maybe right now things are smooth sailing in your life, but let me just say, write it down because you're gonna need it at some point or another. It should never surprise us when we sin against another person. We are all sinners. That should never surprise us, but we should never be okay with it. We should never be okay with it, right? So here it is. I wanna give you, something called seven A's of confession. These, by the way, these seven A's, actually, I, I, uh, I got these from a guy named Ken Sandy. He wrote a phenomenal book that I would com- highly commend to all of you. It's called uh, The Peacemaker. It is not only biblically accurate, but it is practically helpful. And so I'd encourage you to pick it up if you get a chance to. It's called The Peacemaker, especially if you're a person that is in conflict right now and you're looking for more in depth than what we're giving you on the weekends. I think it'd be a really good resource for you to pick up. Very, very, very helpful book. But he talks about the seven A's of confession, and I thought it was so helpful I'd just share it with you. And so here it is. Here's the first one. Number one A, address everyone involved. Okay, so what what does it mean when we confess? We're gonna get the log out. So what does that mean? Here's what it means. I need to address everyone involved. Everyone involved. And so if my sin or my offense was against my wife or my husband or my child or my parents or my friends or whatever, I need to talk to all who are affected by my offense. I need, to, I need to, now listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, anytime we sin against somebody, we are always sinning against God first. And so we always confess to God first. We always confess to God first. And by the way, when, when I say confess to God I'm not saying that you're like filling God in on details he doesn't already know, right? God knows everything, but what I'm saying, confession is much more about a heart position. It's a heart position of agreement with God. It's me saying, God, the thing that I did was a big deal to you. It was a very big deal to you. It's not, I'm not gonna rationalize it, I'm not gonna justify it, I'm not gonna sit here and say, well, if they didn't do this, then I didn't. No, 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 it's a big deal. And so I'm gonna confess to God first, but listen to me, listen to me, this is important. Sometimes confessing to God isn't enough. Sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes you need to go and make it right with that person. And so you need to go and address that person. Maybe you need to set up a phone call or a coffee appointment or you need to, you know, whatever, write a letter. And I, I think it's I think it's always preferable to get eyeball to eyeball with somebody, but I know that there's unique situations where maybe that's not the option. Maybe for you you're afraid what maybe you need to write a letter and read it to somebody. But you have to start by addressing everyone involved. Here's number two I have to avoid if button maybe. Avoid if button maybe, right? There's a very real temptation when I'm confessing to another person to make it a platform for accusation or to make it a platform for justifying why I did what I did. So I got to confess something to you, man. I did this. But if you wouldn't have, then maybe I wouldn't have. And if I don't do that. Don't do that, all right? This is, again, this is not about them. At this point, this is not about them. This is about you getting the plank out of your eye, making yourself right with God. That's what this is all about. It's you taking it serious, owning it, right? So I'm avoiding if, but, and maybe. I don't know if you guys, this actually reminded me, I don't know if you guys noticed, I've been watching my news feed over the past couple of months, and there's been a number of apologies that have been issued by um, celebrities and athletes in light of a whole bunch of different things. But did you ever read some of these apologies? And some of them, these confessions and apologies are, I mean, they're not owning anything. And so you'll read it and it says something like this. I'm sorry if my uh, actions offended you. Uh, that was never my intent. Uh, you hear what's happening? They're not owning anything. They're not owning anything. Basically what they're doing is they're kind of, they're kind of uh, subver- like subversively blaming you, right? I'm sorry if what I did offended you. You misunderstood me. Like, that's what they're, it's not owning a thing. So that's not what we're doing, right? So you're not coming to someone, and you're not like, hey, man, I just need to confess something. You're, you were a big jerk, and because you're such a jerk, I may have stooped to your level for a minute and become a jerk too, and you're a giant dirt bag, and in light of your dirt baggery, I may have, like, don't, you can't, you shouldn't, that's not what we're doing. Right? So we need to avoid that at all costs. Avoid that at all costs. Avoid if, but, and maybe as much you owning your stuff. Here's the third A. I need to admit specifically. We need to admit specifically. All right? Specifically. We're not vague. We're not vague. We're owning it. Hey, uh, you remember last week when, when we were hanging out? And you remember when I said this? You remember when I said these words to you? Those were hurtful. Those were intended to harm you. Hey, I... Uh, I know this might not be easy for you to hear, but I've said some stuff about you, some of which was not true. We're owning it, man. We're saying it. Now, it should should never surprise us when we sin. None of us should ever be surprised when we sin. All of us sin. All of us do this, right? So so this is us not concealing it. This is us saying, I'm not okay with it. I'm gonna own it, right? So we admit specifically. Here's the fourth thing. We acknowledge the hurt. What's that mean? It, It means this. It means that, I need to express sorrow. I need to recognize that what I did hurt you. It cost you. It hurt our relationship. And so I need to be, I need to be willing to say that. Hey, oh man, this, might, this, might, this is gonna be so frustrating to you. I know this isn't easy to hear. But I said this, I did this, and you know what, man? I know that hurts you. I know that hurt your reputation. I know that caused other people to look at you in a way that was not honoring to you. I was not valuing your soul, right? Uh, I was not giving, I was not showing to you the grace that I've received, right? This is, this is man, we are admitting, we are acknowledging the hurt that we have inflicted on another person. This is, we're owning it, we're owning it. Here's the next one. We need to be willing to accept the consequences. We need to be willing to accept whatever consequences might come from this conversation. And quite honestly, uh, for some of us, we cannot come in expecting that this relationship is going to go back to the way it was before. If you broke someone's trust, it's gonna take time to get it back again, it's gonna take time. If you lied to that person, it's gonna take time to rebuild that trust. If you've done something illegal or unethical, um, there might actually be some consequences of you you that. You might lose your job. Something I'm just saying, you have to be willing to say, I I am so dedicated to making it right with God that I'm gonna accept whatever consequences that might look like, right? And by the way, on on this uh, point, I think it's important to mention that I think along with this comes this idea of um, restitution. And unfortunately, restitution is a little bit of a lost art in our culture. I don't think this is something we seek out very often, but in the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament, we see that God's heart is restitution. And what is restitution? Well, in the Old Testament, basically the idea was this, that if, if you offended somebody, then, then you need to come and make it right and then some. So, so for example, if I stole 100 bucks from you, the Old Testament would tell me I need to repay you and then some. I actually need to pay you extra on top of that. And I think this is the idea of restitution. It's me saying, I recognize that what I did cost you and I wanna, I wanna make it right and then some. I wanna go above and beyond to repair the relationship that I've broken, right? And I think, there's something, I think there's something there, and that includes part of this. And then here's the sixth one, and alter your behavior, alter your behavior. Uh, what does it mean to alter your behavior? Here's what it means. I think you have to be willing to show that you want to change. Uh, let me put it this way. If you find that, let's just say, let's just use marriage as an example. If you find that in your marriage, you continually have the same fight over and over again, and you're continually confessing the same sin to the same person over and over again. Every week, you're confessing the same thing to the same person over and over again. At some point, you have to be willing to say, okay, you know what, maybe this isn't working, and maybe we need to do something different. Maybe we need to go get counseling. Maybe we need to go be part of a life group and and start to intertwine our lives with other people, let other people in on our marriage because we keep having the same fight over and over, and if we keep doing this, we're never gonna get anywhere. So I have to be willing to alter my behavior. Or if you find that you have to keep, there's a stink bug on the screen. You guys see this? Get off, get, you're ruining my sermon. (laughs) Conflict resolution right there. So you're gonna alter your behavior, right? So if you find you keep confessing like the same, like, let's say that you're like, I'm sorry, you know, substance abuse, or I was drunk again, or I keep, you know, whatever. Maybe you need to humble yourself and admit that, man, I need some help. I need some help. I'm, I'm in this pattern. That to this last thing, and that's this. You have to ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. Will you please forgive me? And by the way, this is very different than asking, uh, than, than apologizing. Because right? an apology is actually more about you than it is to the other person. I'm sorry. But you're not actually asking them for anything. You're not putting yourself in a position of vulnerability. When you say, Will you please forgive me? You're placing yourself in a vulnerable and humble state in front of them. And you're saying, What I did hurt you, and I recognize that, and I'm asking if you would please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Now let me just say a couple things here and, and then we'll, we'll, be, we'll be done. But a couple things I think are worth mentioning. If you are a follower of Jesus, I believe the onus of initiative is put on us. So who is it that initiates this conversation? If you're a follower of Jesus, we do. We do. Uh, Romans 12, as much as possible, as far as it depends on you, you make peace with everybody. Matthew chapter five, what did Jesus say? If you're going to give your offering and you remember that your brother has something against you, you hear that? He's got something against you. You don't even have something against him. You go to him, you go to him. So you get it? The, the initiative is on us. We are the ones who have to, but what if they're 95% responsible and I'm only 5%? It doesn't matter. This is on us, right? We, this is us taking very seriously our part. This isn't even about them so much. As about us being right with God and taking our sins serious. So we're to do this. Now, let me just say this, that a high percentage of time, and I don't know what percentage to put on it, but a high percentage of the time when one person is willing to do this, when we sit down with another person and do this, conflict ends here. A high percentage of the time. Because this breaks that vicious cycle of I'm not talking to you, I'm not talking to you, and I'm waiting for you to come to me, and I'm waiting... But when a follower of Jesus can humble themselves and come to another person and say, I'm gonna remove the plank in my eye, you know what happens a lot of the times, quite honestly, is God uses that, the Holy Spirit uses that in the life of that person, whether they're a follower of Jesus or not, to soften their heart and they'll reciprocate. A lot of times they'll come back and say, you know what, man, it's not all you. I did some stuff too and I'm sorry, would you forgive me? And if that happens, praise God. Praise God, it's a victory, right? but let's be honest, it's not always gonna happen. It's not always gonna happen. What if they don't reciprocate? Let me just say, when you go into this meeting with someone, you cannot expect reciprocity, you can't. So you can't, you can't go through this and be like, okay, well I just wanna, I wanna tell you some stuff and I wanna go through these seven A's and we're gonna do this. You can't do that and then at the end be like, so there you go, I did it. Now is there anything you would like to add or say to? Maybe, no, there's not. Okay, well then I'm gonna say this, right? You don't wanna, that's not what we're doing. This is not what this meeting's about. It's not about them. Not about them at this point, it's about you. What if they don't reciprocate? Well, that's a very real possibility. Somebody may be saying, what if I ask for forgiveness and they don't grant it? What if they're not willing to forgive me? Come on, that's real life stuff, right? That's gonna happen. What do we do if they're not willing to forgive us? Then let me just say, um, well, one thing is we have more steps ahead, we're only on step two, But in a nutshell, let me just say, if they're not willing to forgive you, you need to bless them, and you need to pray for them, and you need to release them. Romans 12, man, as much as it's possible, as much as it depends on you, make peace with everyone. Even God recognizes that not everyone is going to let you make peace with them. But here's what you can do. You can rest knowing that you have done everything in your power to remove the log from your eye. You can rest knowing that your conscience is clear before God, that you have owned your part. And you can do that. And you never give up on that relationship. You never give up on that person. But there are times when you have to release a person. God, I pray that they would find it in their heart one day to forgive me. God, I pray that you would continue to work in their life. But in that situation, you bless them and you release them. Some people will not be made peace with. And I hate that. I hate, I hate what sin does. It's terrible. It destroys things. It's part of what he says here. So step two, remove logs. Step one, humble yourself. And so here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna actually ask the band to come up. And as the band comes up and we close out our times, I actually, uh, we usually will end by um, kind of standing and singing some songs together. And I wanna do something a little bit different. I actually wanted to give you some space today to just talk to God, to to, to talk to your heavenly father uh, this morning. And so the band's gonna play a song that, that we picked out and uh, we actually don't want you to stand and sing. I just want you to quietly submit yourself before God. And quite honestly, maybe for some of you today, in light of today's conversation, the Holy Spirit has been bringing to your mind and to your attention names of people that you have wronged, names of people that you have sinned against. And maybe God is, even right now, he's tugging at you that you need to go and make that right. You need to go and remove that, that log from your eye. You need to go to dramatic, drastic, extreme, uncomfortable places in faith to let God heal that thing in your life. And so I would encourage you right now, would you talk to God, would you ask him to give you the boldness and the faith to actually take action on some of the things that we're talking about? Ask you to have faith to do that, to trust God, to trust his plan. Some of you are like, man, that sounds so strange, it sounds so awkward, it sounds so hard, I know it's gonna take a lot of faith, I told you it's gonna be challenging. But I think if you wanna see what God has in store For conflict resolution, part of it is trusting that your heavenly father knows what's best. So coming to him. And so my prayer is that maybe for some of you, you're gonna have some coffee appointments this week. You're gonna write some letters this week. You're gonna have some conversations this week. They're gonna lead to healing. That's what I'm praying for. Now, I'll say one last thing. Some of you right now, you heard everything we said today and you might even agree with me. You might even be like, I agree with you. I hear everything you're saying. I think, I think it's right. I think what Jesus is saying is right. I agree. But in your heart, even right now, you have already predetermined. You're like, I will not do that. Not gonna, I don't disagree with it. I'm not doing it. Not doing it. Either because you're too hurt or because you're too proud or because it's too weird or you're too scared. You're like, I'm not gonna do it let me just say, with all the gentleness in my heart, could it be possible that maybe, just maybe, what's really keeping you from freedom and what's keeping you in this place of bitterness and unresentment and unforgiveness is an unwillingness to surrender to what God desires for you. And so would you be willing, maybe even right now, maybe if you're, maybe if you're like, I, I, I'm not willing, would you, be asking, would you be willing just to ask God to soften your heart that you would surrender to him. I surrender. I believe that what you want for me is better than what I want for myself. Let's pray together. Well, God, I wanna say thank you for what you've, uh, what, how you've instructed us in resolving conflict because quite honestly, if, it was, if, it, if we were left to our own devices to figure this out, we would be in a real mess because I think the way that we intuitively wanna resolve conflict actually only adds to it but God, the way that you've shown us is a different way. It's a way of peace, it's a way of freedom. quite honestly, it's the way of Jesus. Christ, I think about how you resolved our conflict and that you took it on yourself to humble yourself. And Father, you took it on yourself to own our sin, and take it to the cross. And because you did that, we can be empowered to follow you. Father, I know there's real hurt and there's real resentment and there's real fear in this room right now, the things that we're talking about, but would you fill your people with courage? Would you fill your people with faith, God, that we would believe you, that we would believe what you say is true, and that we would live in light of that reality. And so God, I ask that we'd be blessed for having what we heard today, and I pray we would live differently as a result of it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.